Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we're breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch the Sunday blues. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement. Hello, everybody, and welcome to No More Mondays. As always, I'm your host, Angie Callen. I want to write a book. How many of you just nodded your head yes or stopped cold thinking, how did she know? Well, we have a first on today's episode, and we're going to get to talk to somebody who actually helps people make this dream of writing a book become a reality. In a minute, you're going to meet Sally Eckes, a literary agent and co-owner of the Eckes Group, where she specializes in talent representation across a wide range of author types, particularly cookbook authors. So yay, I finally get to talk about cooking on No More Mondays. I'm sure we'll squirrel into that at some point. In addition to my love of cooking, Sally and I share a lot of perspectives on some things, and I'm excited to get into this conversation because we're going to chat with uh, somebody who actually worked with the authors that we do talk to on the show, and we never really get to dive into the behind the scenes of how that all actually becomes a reality. So without further ado, let's dig in. And Sally, welcome to No More Mondays. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be on this podcast. I am so excited you're here because, as I mentioned, we have lots of things to talk about and a lot of little, like l- different little directions to go because there's just so many tidbits that I want to know about you. I think everybody out there would want to b- know about you and also your zone of genius. And so let's start with kind of how did you get into this work? I, we're going to get into like, how do I get my book published and give people resources? But I would love for everybody to understand just your background and how you got into kind of, I would say, a niche, this niche field. Absolutely. So I would say I've, I often think that I've been informally training for this my whole life because the agency was started by my mom, Lisa, 40 years ago, and we've always had a culinary niche as our focus. I was on a very different career path. I went to school for psychology, women's studies, sociology, and I had my eyes set on becoming um, a caseworker and a social worker. And I was working in an inpatient psychiatric unit and getting trained in active listening, negotiation, and crisis counseling. And fast forward through, you know, one of those breakups you go through, you move home, I need a job, I started helping out at the agency, and I realized that my formal training in negotiation, crisis counseling, and uh, active listening was really applicable to working with authors. And nobody's life was on the line, even though, you know, you don't like your book cover, and I can help you navigate that situation successfully. So I started working at the agency somewhat accidentally and realized, you know, I'd been around this work my whole life growing up, licking envelopes, stamping press kits for my mom, you know, at 25 cents a pop when I was like 10 years old, and now really immersed in this in this world, loving it. And so a few years into working at the agency, we started talking about this becoming a family business, which it now is, and a succession plan. And so come spring 23, Lisa's formally retiring and we're moving forward under, um, under my leadership. I think that that deserves congratulations, right? Thank you. I I think so. I mean, it's been a a long time coming and a really 
active, joyful experience for both Lisa and I over the past few years to get it to the place, to get, to get the agency and our clients to the place and work where we are. And also, you know, really exciting in terms of moving forward. Well, and I think it's really interesting. And this was actually something I was going to ask. I love I love when the conversation just goes where I thought it might anyway. But I one of the things I was curious about is how you're making this your own. And I think that it's really interesting that that background and the original career direction is really relevant and transferable. But uh, but kind of on the surface, you would never necessarily think that. So I would love for you to tell us like more about that. Sure. So when I started, I obviously was like a sponge absorbing this hyper mentorship opportunity that I had from Lisa, which I was incredibly fortunate to, you know, join an agency that gave me forward and upward mobility like immediately. And so I was assisting her on literary projects and also learning other elements of the business and the agency's services. But specifically for today's conversation, we'll focus on book representation. And so Pretty quickly, I realized in addition to the clients that we were representing, I had my own taste, sort of pun intended, about the culinary space. And so I started actively scouting clients that were doing culinary content creation in spaces that I was really interested in. And so I carved out my own interests and and client list. And so that became my own sort of personal brand underneath the brand of the Ekis Group. But then additionally, um, you know, the the leadership and sort of the the flow of where the agency is going has been an evolution and i do a lot of teaching a lot of speaking and a lot of like sort of curtain pullbacking made that word up don't don't quote me on that as an agent that's okay i love i love made up words like that <laughs> there you go uh, you know, offering that transparency around what is often considered this like black box of publishing. How does it work? And I really wanted to get out there and teach people so that I could so that our agency could continue to be seen as a resource in this space, specifically around how does publishing work? And if I want to publish a nonfiction book, how do we do that? And so that was another way that I carved out my own lane at the agency and also in the industry at large. Well, and I think it's so interesting when you look at family businesses or multi-generational type businesses, how 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 at the same time we don't want to go do the same thing our parents do, how it oftentimes ends up coming full circles and, you know, like attorneys and medical. There's there's so it's so common to see that. And I and I think it's because it really you're you are sponging stuff up at a young age without even know, even realizing you are. Well, so it's interesting. I think if I had been pressured into this as a family business, it would have not worked out. But because it was sort of this accidental serendipitous moment that then, you know, Lisa and I worked very intentionally on and in, it became really like celebratory, Um, you know, but like, I don't know what sort of cookbook agents can claim that they had dinner with Julia Child, but I can. And that's really special. And I, you know, it's, it's sweet. And also, as an agent, um, we act as representatives to the author, you know, selling book ideas to publishers, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I, um, I have this perspective of what many people in Lisa's generation call the good old days of publishing. You know, there's this whole other type of cookbook publishing and nonfiction publishing support that, you know, are from sort of those good old days. And I, I can speak to that and also represent authors in the future of publishing. And so I have this unique foot in both sides of where the industry has been and where we're going. Well, let's just stop for a minute and say 
Sally name drop, the biggest name drop you could ever put into a podcast about anybody that cooks. And I feel like we could just end now and make this a seven minute, 36 second mic drop. And also I am now one degree from Julia Child. So I I sit on um, the Julia Child Foundation committee that uh, so you, you we can put that in the show notes now. So we have this like amazing backlink in your show notes. OK, there you go. Love it. Who knew who knew how strategic this ask was? Yeah. <laughs> so as a as a career, what does a day in the life of a literary agent look like? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Loaded question. Yes. What doesn't it look like? <laughs> also unsure. Uh, you know, it's a honestly, it's a lot of email and phone and Zoom meetings. It looks like concept development with the clients that I'm working with, working on their book proposal, which is how we sell book projects in the nonfiction space. So I might be editing a book proposal. I might also be triaging some situation that's come up with a current book that's in production, working with the authors and working with editors. I might be on a PR and marketing call for a book that's going to launch in the spring so we can start to talk about that strategy and book launch. And then there's scouting and, you know, just um, keeping my eye on what the industry is doing and who I might want to work with. And then there's also the other hat that I wear, you know, as the agency leader moving forward, which is the operational side. So there's a lot of sort of broader agency work that I'm that I'm supporting on a day to day basis as well. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of hats and a lot of like communications and relationships. Yes, I what I love about what we do is that at the end of the day, I'm a, we're connectors. We are facilitators. We are agents of connection and networking. And because our agency specifically has been working in this, and by this, I mean the culinary nonfiction space for 40 plus years, even if we're not formally representing somebody, we are often the first call when someone has a question about who should be designing my book? Do I know somebody who will do publicity? Uh, do I have a chef in the Midwest who happens to have a dog between the ages of six and nine that likes cantaloupe? You know, it's like I'm this hub of connection. And I and I love that. If you need random, obscure expertise, ask Sally. And let me I want to take like a step. I want to take a little aside here and and just tie some relevance to everybody out there. Whether you like cookbooks or not, I personally do. If you could see my background, I love professional development books and I have at least this many cookbooks as well. I love them. I collect them. I like to sit and read them. And what I the, what I want to do to kind of like, I would say, make this generally applicable to, to anybody out there. And that that is that if you are in any sort of sales or relationship capacity, having a really clear niche is a great thing. And if you are ever scared of having a really clear niche around a market, the Eckes Group, who has been around for 40 years, specializing in culinary cookbook agency, has been around for 40 years serving that niche. So... Niching is a great thing. Yeah, I love that. And I I also want to bring it full circle for any of your listeners, too, that a book is a big, beautiful business card. It's a way to bring new eyes to you, your brand, your content. And so, you know, my my area of focus is cookbooks. And that has, you know, we, we talk about culinary-ish here. Lifestyle, I've dabbled in parenting, but essentially... 
you know, my, my job is to help people expand their brand using this, this mechanism of a calling card, but you can sort of search and replace cookbook for whatever your listeners brand is. It could be career development. Anything in the nonfiction space is, is really sort of a, a wonderful way to drive new opportunities to you and your business. It could lead to speaking engagements. It can lead to local media. It can lead to national media. It can lead to brand partnerships. It can lead to podcast interviews, right? It's this, it's this new shiny thing that you can share with your community and then also brings new discoverability to you and your content. Perfect transition point, Sally. Thank you so much. It's almost like I told you I wanted to go to the next place, which is it's an element of thought leadership, which I think does and, and credibility, I think, is is another aspect to it. And so as we shift gears and move from kind of your experience as an agent and more into kind of some of our advice or uh, you know, kind of planting seeds for everybody out there. I'm curious what advice you do have for somebody who maybe has this thought in the back of their head. Like I'd really, I have an idea for a book or I'd love the thought leadership, the credibility. I'd love to build my brand. Like where does somebody get started if this is an inkling? Totally. So yeah, let's get super practical. Cause I'm all about like checklists and homework and, and practical next steps. If somebody's thinking about writing a book a great place to start is doing some comp research. Take a look at what is out there. How do you do that? Okay, you can walk into a bookstore and go to the shelf, the category of books that you think your book would sit alongside. See what's out there. What you're looking for are books that have been successful. How do we define successful? There's industry um, tools such as BookScan, where you can look at sales numbers. But for the layperson just walking into a bookstore, you want to take a look on the bookshelf and see what books have been there for a while. You could talk to the um, person at the desk, you know, how's this selling? Tell me a little bit about, you know, th these books in this category. And you're looking for books that have created good traction and then something unique, different, and building upon established success that you have to say on that shelf. You can also look on uh, large online retailer accounts that rhyme with Shmamazon to see how are they ranked. And, you know, I encourage you to support local bookstores, but great place for research is, you know, in the internet browser. See how have they been reviewed? How have they been received? Who's published them? Look in the acknowledgement section. Who's their agent? you know, who's their editor. So there's a lot of research to do first. There's also industry resources like Publishers Marketplace or podcasts or books about publishing in general and specifically nonfiction publishing, assuming most of your listeners would be interested in that type of publishing. Um, doing your research is the number one place to start. And by doing your research, you are building one section of your book proposal, which is ultimately the document you need to pitch an agent and pitch publishers. And that is the comp section of your book proposal. So the second place to go after you start doing your research is writing a book proposal. How do you write a book proposal? There are resources online. I can send you some for show notes. Ultimately, what you're working towards is a business plan for your book. It's showing and telling what is the concept? Why am I the right person to write it? What's the comps out there that have shown that there's success and I have something new and different to say? Who's my audience and how am I going to reach them? And then samples of what's in the book itself. Okay, everybody, if you're driving, you're going to pull over 
and you're going <laughs> to rewind like three minutes and you're going to get a piece of paper out and you're going to play this at 0.5 speed because Sally just gave you about a $900 consulting meeting worth of action items to go start exploring the feasibility of writing your own book. Thank you. I mean, I get these questions all the time and it's the same place to start. Do you research? Put some ideas down on paper. What do you have to say that's new new and different? And the number one question to ask yourself, why do you want to write a book? Because there are wonderful, less expensive, labor-intensive ways to get your content out there faster. So why a book? And if you can't answer that question, it doesn't mean you're never going to write a book. It just means you may not be ready. And there may not be a right or wrong. There isn't really a wrong answer to why do you want to write a book? Well, maybe there's a maybe you should do it this way instead. But you need to at least know the why behind it. Exactly. I think we got We've got to know the why behind everything we do. Right. We know we don't always operate that way as humans. But, you know, generally speaking, it's a it's a helpful guiding light to have in our in our decision making. It is a very, very good foundation that helps you make much better decisions in life, uh, you know, around when to say no, when to say yes, when you're going off track and all the things. And, um, you know, I, I love people who, who like to give brain dumps of practical, actionable advice. We live in the same world. And I know we're going to give you a chance to shameless plug, but also for everybody out there who actually did pull over and listen to this at half speed, there's an easier way to get everything you just brain dumped us because you created a course. I did. So I, this is another way that I've like sort of carved out my lane in this industry. I realized we were getting the same questions over and over and over again in consults that we do and in emails. And as we, you know, reject proposals that come in, there's a lot of themes around common missteps or misconceptions. And also just, again, a lot of mystery about how publishing works. So I, spent a lot of time (laughs) and energy putting it all in this self-paced class called how to write a cookbook. And while it's culinary specific, the, the nature of the course is really how does publishing work? What does an agent do? What's the difference between self-publishing and traditional publishing? How do I get started? How do I create a succinct pitch? What goes into a query letter? And then, you know, there's some culinary specific content in terms of uh, archetypes of books that I walk people through. But generally speaking, it's, you know, publishing 101 that I, I you know, I, I have this class, we, I do presentations, I do podcasts. And so it's a, it's a longer form of, of my face on a video that people can subject themselves to if they want to learn about publishing. You get all of the madness in Sally's head. That's right. Right. Plus homework. Battle of homework. Yay. I'm a big fan of homework too. It's funny because you brought up something that I was thinking earlier and there is that like the myth you, I think you, you termed it earlier as like this, the black box of publishing And I was thinking about like, if I have a chance to ask somebody who knows that world and has been behind, lives behind the curtain, uh, a a question or two that I think people out there would really want to know. Yeah. The, the one that came to mind is I would say breaking down or, or dispelling myths around the difference between self-publishing, traditional publishing, and this new thing we hear about hybrid publishing. So I'll start with hybrid first, because there's... Uh, guidelines that hybrid publishers need to stick to contractually. And there's a whole website dedicated to it, which I don't have off the top of my head, but happy to send you. Uh, And that is a very gray area with a lot of 
got to do your homework and take a look very closely at those contracts because they can be promising a lot and not delivering. So I'm, that's kind of all I'm going to say about hybrid because it's a completely different conversation. Um, in terms of self-publishing or traditional publishing, and I go through this in a lot more detail in the course, including financials, there's, in my opinion, three main differentiators between the two paths somebody could go down. There, there's like three buckets that help qualify should somebody self-publish or traditionally publish. By no means is this like the end-all be-all, but I think most stuff falls into these three pa- uh, determining buckets. The first is financial. In traditional publishing, you get an advance to write your book, and we can talk more about what that looks like. And in self-publishing, you are funding your project. There are many ways you, you can You are fund- the advance. <laughs> Right. So there are many ways you can fund it, but bottom line, do you want to be paid to write a book or are you going to pay to write your book? The second is control. And I mean that as a broad strokes term, control around the process. Do you want to work in traditional publishing where you have experts that know, okay, generally speaking, this is what covers are looking like. And this is how sales and marketing thinks the title should be. And, you know, I want, I have a designer on staff or do you want that control? Do you know exactly what you know you want your book to look and feel like? And in the in the class that I teach, um, and pretty much any speaking engagement that I do, I use a bus analogy. Like in self-publishing, you are driving that bus, and there's a lot of seats to fill, and you can bring in different experts. And in traditional publishing, you're like tapping on the bus driver's shoulder saying, turn left here and hold on, we gotta let my grandma on because she's gonna do XYZ thing. But you're not the one driving the bus. So like what sort of control or resources do you have to bring in different experts to execute your book project? And then the third determining factor is distribution. In traditional publishing, your publisher brings distribution and sales channels to the table. So they're in charge of getting your book into the bookstore, into special sales accounts, and into wholesale accounts. And in self-publishing, you are your bookseller. And this is where a lot of people get flashed, you know, I'm a hybrid publisher or I'm a custom publisher and I offer distribution. They may offer a distributor account, but nobody is getting your book into those book selling accounts except you. So it's a, it's a big undertaking. Many people do it and do it very successfully. But in my opinion, those are the three determining factors between traditional and self-publishing, money, control, and distribution. Well, and I'm just in inside insider little bit of information for everybody out there. Sally and I have chatted <laughs> about this very topic. And literally the first thing she asked me was, why do you want to write a book? And when I answered, and, and then the second question is, why do you think you want to go traditional publishing? And literally my first answer was, I know I don't have the bandwidth to go peddle my own book. And, and I, I think that you're, you were like, okay, that's a good, like, that's a great answer. And it, cause it can be like really a full-time job. And it's one of the reasons that we see so much synergy between authors and podcasters, because it is a medium to get out there and raise awareness kind of around your book, but it's a big undertaking. Absolutely. It's a big undertaking. And you as the author, once you write your book and it's published, also have a whole other chapter of work to do, which is the marketing and promotion of that book, no matter the path you go down. So if you're the one trying to get it available for sale and also promote it, it's it's just a lot of hats. I mean, we, you know, we have big heads, but we it's like there's only so many hats we can wear. I don't know if that was the right. So many hats that fit. 
I like it. And so in our in our previous conversation, uh, it was really funny because, you know, we were introduced to chat about like a career benders, I would say, centric related book. But as soon as we hopped on, uh, we got into this whole squirreled conversation about gluten free cookbooks specifically, because fun fact, I don't think I have ever divulged the following story on on this podcast, but career benders came out of really an original goal to write and produce gluten-free cookbooks and products. And as I got into it, I was like, oh, I need money to bankroll this stuff. I'm going to go start a low, low startup, low overhead consulting business so I can save some money and fund my, you know, gluten-free adventures. And then now five years later, I have this like blown up. I surely can't take on another kind of business endeavor thing. So it was it was just a fun conversation. And I'm curious about like what makes the cookbook niche so fun? Oh, I, well, first of all, uh, I feel like we need to do like a show show of virtual hands for any gluten free listener out there, because, you know, it's, it's progressed a lot over the day over the years. And I am also living a gluten free lifestyle, not by choice. So I can appreciate that being a motivation for whatever path people go down. All right, gluten-free homies in the house. Moving on. Um, what's up with the the cookbook niche? I, I mean, it's fun for me because I like live and breathe food and get to work with so many different kinds of people and cuisines and cultures and recipes. And it's I can dip in and out of a cookbook more successfully than I can dip in and out of a novel, which I read, but it's just a different type of you know, experience and food connects people, right? I mean, whether you like it or hate it, you have something to say about it. And I can work with that. I love that. It's, I think it really is interesting because it goes back to that idea of you just at the very core being a connector and it's like an extra layer of, of the connection. And I, I really appreciate the I can dip in and out of a cookbook more than I can a novel because I'll sit on the couch for three hours and look at a cookbook without falling asleep three pages into a novel and I'm I'm out. My husband makes fun of me for it. And um, I'm going to ask a loaded question. Do you want to do you want to throw out a, a, a couple cookbooks that you love? Oh, it is a loaded question. I used to I listen know. to Lisa try to answer this question and say it's like naming a favorite kid and she has two. So it's like you definitely don't want to answer it. <laughs> Uh, there are different purposes for different books I'm going to mention. Okay. So for example, right now, our agency has a book that just came out. And when I say our agency, I represent this author. So, you know, on our fall list, for example, we have a gorgeous book that I say makes you want to cry and cook. And it's called First Generation by this fantastic author named Frankie Gaw. And, you know, I picked this book as an example because it's a new one out. It's getting lots of wonderful media attention, so you can easily find him and his story. And it's a it's a calling card for people who have grown up in sort of both worlds. You know, it's first generation Taiwanese American experience. He creates gorgeous Instagram recipes and photos, and he went on a journey of self discovery to reconnect with his Taiwanese American roots through cooking with his grandmother. And it, there's essays, so it's a book to read, it's a book to cook from, and it's also from a culinary standpoint. I love cooking um, the type of recipes that that Frankie has in there, so I use that as a as one answer. 
Then there are older books that come to mind, like the Moosewood Cookbook or um, Molly Katzen's Pretend Soup, which is one of the first cookbooks I ever owned as a kid. And it's, you know, one of those first kids cookbooks that has illustrations in it. And it's for kids and it's playful and inspiring and practical. Right. And so that's another book that is on the completely other end of the spectrum, but really is one of those like calling cards of our industry and speaks to me as a mom and as a cookbook agent, right? Which is like a unique thing to find in one book. Uh, you know, and then there's like a million answers in between. <laughs> I know. I love it. And I have like nostalgia for the stuff that we remember as kids. I think, wasn't it you and, you and I that were talking about Amelia Bedelia and when she's like yes. the little image of her running across the kitchen where she's actually dressed the turkey in clothing. My mom yeah. is laughing right now and I know she's listening. Hi, Sonny. She, and that's where I got my love of cooking is from her. But I always remember reading that book when I was a kid and you have such like nostalgia. It is the connectedness of food. Totally. I mean, I'm sure that people listening whether they're like, I didn't eat breakfast or lunch, or I know what I'm planning to make for dinner. Like food is a component of life, whether it's an obsession, like in my space or just a necessity it's present. And so what would it be like to just explore the curiosity of, you know, what if I tried to make a new recipe or what is somebody, what's a recipe I I'm I would have never made, but you know, this conversation's inspiring me to look into. And do I look for that recipe online? Do I look for it in a book at my library? Do I look for it at a cookbook in the cookbook store? Right. I mean, where people find recipes and and how they follow recipes and does the recipe have a story to tell and a head note? I mean, all of that is stuff I can get super nerdy about uh, and you can rein me in on. <laughs> well, and I think that like it, just think about this for a second. If you're like, okay, you two, you can stop nerding out about cookbooks and food. I am a big proponent of of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, we do a lot of kind of outdoor adventures. That's one mechanism for it. But going into the kitchen and trying something new that you've never cooked before or uh, experimenting with new ingredients or new cuisines is a way to get yourself out of a comfort zone. Try something new. And if you're successful, build confidence. If you're not successful, learn from it and try it again. And then you build confidence. So it's it's such a strange thing to tie to like a life lesson. But I also think it's very available to be one. Well, I don't know if anyone's ever given you the advice, like drive a different way to work, you know, just to exercise different parts of your brain and your muscle memory. It's like that. I mean, if you make you know, stir fry every night, try something else and just, you know, change it. If you're going to change up the way you drive to work, change up what's on your plate, change up what you're drinking, you know, change up your physical, act, uh, what's it called? Exercise. <laughs> you know, like you can change up different categories in your life, sleep habits, all of it. And, you know, I'm an advocate or an agent of putting food in, in that space for your life. Fun little fact again for all of you. You're gonna, you're all getting lots of like backseat of Angie's life. We are, so A, we're recording this around the holidays <clears throat> and B, we are in the throes of a complete kitchen renovation that Jim and I are doing ourselves. And so I don't know about anybody out there, but Thanksgiving day seems like the perfect time to gut your kitchen. And this conversation is making me so anxious to have like my brand new kitchen that I've designed and laid out to go and experiment and cook in. And because it's the holidays and I'm like, oh, I can't actually like do anything. I'm like getting antsy and excited. So um, I'm going to I'm going to listen to my own podcast when my kitchen is done this episode. So I get excited to go and cook. I love it. I love it. Well, this just helps you. Yeah. 
all the homes you may be visiting over the holidays too. Exactly. And everybody else's kitchens that they let me cook in. Right. Exactly. All right. So we got some book recs. Uh, I would love a podcast recommendation because I know that so, like we said, so in sync with authors, I'm sure you come across some good ones. So in the food space, there's a fantastic podcast called the Everything Cookbooks podcast, which walks people through the whole cookbook process. So for anyone that like also has a secret passion for writing a cookbook, that's a great free resource. There's also a podcast that I discovered a couple months ago called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. It is not culinary specific, and it's hosted in a way where they workshop query letters and first pages of manuscripts that come in. And it's wildly fascinating, A, for me as just like a industry publishing nerd to listen to other professionals workshop pitches that they get, but also it talks, it covers like tone and flow and just really practical takeaways from these pitches and first pages. And I've been devouring and loving uh, that, that podcast for writing specific purposes. Oh, I love that. It's got to be interesting for you as an insider, but I also think it'd be interesting for us to hear how people like synthesize that info in real time. Oh, cool. Totally. Tell us what that was again. It's called The Shit No One Tells You About Writing. All right. That's going to go on the podcast list. And speaking of can you swear on this show, I know you have a very particular outlook on how you handle Mondays. So what is your perspective or set of words for Mondays? Oh, did I share something something before that had a swear in it? It's your get shit done day, which I think is amazing. That's what I that's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, it's my get shit done day. I I think when I was um, reminding myself that we were going to have this conversation, I toned it down and and was like playing around with giddy up in my head (laughs) (laughs) or just get stuff done. It's okay. Yeah, it totally is my get shit done day. And, you know, as a small business owner and a mom and, you know, a million other things, Mondays are also, you know, it's like, all right, let's let's hit refresh. Good way to put it, because you come out, you come out of the weekend, either refreshed or sometimes a very busy weekend. And then all of a sudden it's like set yourself up for success in the week. And we talk a lot about combating some kind of Sunday scary so that Monday doesn't take your doesn't ruin your Sunday. And I think how you how you handle Mondays or how and and how you, you get into them to set yourself up for success can make a big difference there. Yeah, I'm the kind of person that puts things on my to do list that I've already done so I can start by checking them off. And I love adding extras on Mondays as my get shit done day, like start off with check, 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 done, done, done off to the races. Uh, You're also probably like taking that page off of your little notepad and writing a new checklist. So it's a nice clean one to then check off. Right. Of course. Ask me how I know. There's a whole bunch of type A women out there going, oh, I guess I'm not the only one who does that. So I uh, I can't believe we're going to start winding down because I I just feel like I could chit chat with you about all kinds of random things all day. Uh, But as we kind of do come to a close, I want everybody out there to know how they follow along with you. Learn from all the amazing wisdom that you have to kind of give out there, whether it's the course, whether it's some of your free resources. So how does everybody find you and access all of the great stuff you have to give. Sure. Thank you. Well, a quick way to find our agency is at ekusgroup.com, E-K-U-S-G-R-O-U-P.com. And then from there, or 
Singularly, you can find us, of course, on social. And Instagram is a place where we spend quite a bit of time. My name at Sally Eckes or at Eckes Group. And then I moder- if you are really into this deep dive in food, I moderate a Facebook group called How to Be a Cookbook Author. And in that group, there's a lot of food content, but I, po- I post and keep up to date with industry news around publishing, mergers, bestseller information, you know, all kinds of publishing information. So it's a it's a open forum of resources. So anyone listening is, is welcome to join. There's going to be a ton of links in the in this show notes. So we're going to link everything Sally just said in the show notes. We're going to link all the books that you mentioned. Um, we'll link the course. We'll link the resources. So you'll have you'll, you'll have your own checklist out there, everybody. And I want to also remind you that like the group, the Facebook group Sally just mentioned, I think that there's good applicable takeaways there, even if you don't necessarily want to be a cookbook author, but something in that kind of nonfiction life type space, it's, it's going to be transferable. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really anything in the nonfiction publishing space starts with a book proposal. So I'll also send you our proposal guidelines, which while they're cookbook specific are applicable for people who are looking for information on how to get started, start with that research, start with your overview and start chipping away at those other proposal sections. And if anything, I hope this conversation just inspires you to get started. So like take a step, even if it's just like writing down your concept or an outline or just an intention. That's one thing that, you know, Sally and I both live in the world of practical actions and and tactical advice, but you can only do so much with that if you haven't set an intention and, and have the inspiration to start from it. And so hopefully the two of us have inspired you to just take a step forward on that. Make it your make it your goal this year to to just understand the process and move forward on it in some way. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. I think everything meaningful in somebody's life starts with that, that spark of, of passion and positivity. Absolutely. And as we wind things down and bring this to a close, I would love on that note, even though everything we just said was a good answer to the following question, I would love for you to give everybody kind of like your gold nugget and your number one pearl of wisdom on what we all can do to get one step closer to our professional goals. I met a woman who has was a was a very big influence in my life. Her name was Lori Masterton. She's since left this physical world and she had a guiding principle that has never stood me wrong and it is don't postpone joy. Oh, I just got the chills a little. That's good. Cuz we're also really good at doing exactly that. Yeah, I think a lot of wonderful career, personal and professional growth, discovery and curiosity can start with joy. So let's let's start there. There was so much posterity behind how you said that. I don't want to ruin it with more conversations. So there you go, everybody. Don't postpone joy. Take a step forward. Sally, this has been an amazing episode of No More Mondays. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, sharing your advice, giving everybody out there like 37 points of action that they can take and just being part of this community. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Angie. And I love reframing what Mondays can be and kicking it off to a great start. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. Absolutely. You do not have to take on the Sunday scaries. There is a more balanced life out there. And these kinds of conversations help people get there. So I want to thank you, not only Sally, for being here, for everybody out there who's listening. Uh, We always love being inspired by successful professionals who have navigated crossroads and are helping, you know, others find success as well. So in addition to this great advice, 
There is a wealth of information in all the show notes from today's episodes. So you can grab that at nomoremondays.info. And for all of you out there listening, I would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays. Leave us a five-star rating because it is an amazing help as we continue to inspire confident professionals, help people love food and do all the other cool things that people like Sally and I get to do. So if you uh, do want to leave us comments, feedback, drop a guest suggestion, or again, grab the show notes, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. And I'll see you again next week for another edition of the No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your professional life and find career satisfaction. Don't forget... Visit us online at nomoremondays.info for all the details, show notes, and recommendations from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com.